Pick a card, any card. Ground control to Major Tom. What time is it? Let's learn a thing or two. Welcome back to the Two Top Podcast. Welcome back. Matt. Do you know what this is? Deck of cards. It's a deck of cards. I like cards. I've been playing cards recently. Matt, well, today you're going to learn about playing cards. Nice. Actually, this is a great topic, Thomas. I've been thinking about playing cards. These are nice. And the more I've learned about playing cards, they've actually had such an in-depth history. Those are a deck of monarch uh, playing cards. Made in USA, Thomas. I love card design. I think card backs have some of the most beautiful illustrations but also the simplest because when it comes to cards you need to have a representation that's easily understandable by everyone it has to be something universal a king needs to look like a king but you can still alter it a little bit and i think that's a really cool representation because there's 52 cards in the deck they all have a purpose so it's kind of here's your assignment time to make it look well beautiful so the playing card. The playing card as we know it kind of stems from a lot of places. If you'd like to begin, you can say that the original playing cards started in China. And they acted more of, in a sense, more of trading cards. They were not only the thing that you gambled with, but also the thing you played <laughs> played with. Now, these cards, they were printed on like leaf paper, wood block printing at at the time in the Song Dynasty was very popular, which led to the chance of being have mass printed cards. Yeah, that's a double sided card for magic. We I'll I'll discuss that a little bit. My mind was just blown. <laughs> the card has two sides. But I think we should really just dive into the cards we know today. So, the four suit deck. Fifty two cards, one through ten no. Two through ten, ace, ace king, king, queen, jack, yeah, joker, joker, two jokers. Oh yeah. And the jokers came when the Americans did the decks. They actually added the two jokers. Because us Americans are a bunch of jokers, aren't we? Yeah. So, if you want to talk about where it began, you have to dive into the spread across Europe and Italy and. Germany, Switzerland, and France. Because that's where the cards that we play with, the 52-card deck, that's where that comes from. So, the 52-card deck came to this point, but first it had some iterations. You know, design is a process, and when you have a bunch of countries playing with these cards, that's where design gets refined. So, as cards spread from Italy to Germany... The Latin suits were replaced with suits of leaves or shields, hearts or roses, bells, and acorns. Wow. Not what I know. Not what I know of now. So instead of the queen, I mean, the hearts, spades, diamonds, and clubs, the Germans and Italians did the shields, roses, bells, acorns, or the leaves, shields, roses, and bells. And then the French, they did the clovers, the tiles, the hearts, and the pikes. And the clover is kind of kind of like the acorn, and the pike is kind of like, like the spade. leaf. Is it yeah. like a spade? The okay. pike is the spade. Yeah. So you, you're kind of picking up, but it's, it's close. It is close. Just like slight 
um, deviations from what we know. So based when the, on culture. So when England though took them, they called the clovers clubs, and the pikes spades. Mm. So that's why those are. I mean, the diamond's self-explanatory, the heart's self-explanatory, but that's why we have the clovers are now the clubs, and the pikes are now the spades. So, the king is obviously the highest, highest suit. Well, and then you have ace, and you have the queen, the jack, and then you have ten through two. Now, the playing card, though, it really reached it's interesting design point when it comes to the ace of spades matt have you gotten to the ace of spades yet in that deck no because i have something to talk about when it comes to the ace of spades it's here right it has to be yeah it's the it's in there i'll find it now the thing is you know with the ace of spades it's more of a designed card it's not the simplest simplest card it's not like the ace of diamonds or the ace of hearts it has a little bit more pizzazz to it can you not find the ace of spades, Matt? I found your double-sided card. No. Where is it? Okay. Well, it's in there. But Keep searching. So why is it designed? What? Why is it more elaborate than the others? So because of the contemporary playing card being grouped into three broad categories at the time, the yes. French version, the Latin version, and the Germanic version, the 52-card the deck kind of fluctuated. And within these different suits, there was regional and national variations became that were called standard patterns. Because of these patterns, they were in the public domain that allowed multiple card manufacturers to recreate them. The pattern differences are mo- most easily found on the face cards, but the number of cards per deck were always the same. So some patterns have been around for hundreds of years, but the jokers did not become part of it until they were trademarked in the United States. Now, any card can be any card that bore the stamp of duty, like the Ace of Spades in England and the Ace of Clubs in France, were where the manufacturer's logos were placed. So, if you look, if you did, you ever find the Ace of Spades in that deck? Uh, Thomas, is this your card? That is. Now, if you look <laughs> at that card. All the other cards are regular cards, but look on that card. That's Monarch, where it has trademark. That's where it has the trademark. That's where it has the company. It's special. That's where the information is held because sometimes you might lose a box of cards, but in order to keep the trademark and the information about the card, it was placed on the Ace of Spades. Ace of Spades. Interesting. Now, cards back in the day, they used to have squ- angled corners. And over time, they realized that would wear the cards more, so that's when they went to the rounded corners. And you know how, like, when you ruffle through these cards, you have all the suits and the numbers and the cards, they're in the top left. And this was a design that was made to make it easier to fan and look at your cards while holding it in a grip. Yeah. So cards really have advanced over time, and that's what makes them so beautiful. It's a designed object that has been designed and iterated upon for hundreds of years, and I think that's what makes them so interesting. 
I've recently been thinking about cards more because my little brother has gotten really into magic. Oh, okay. Is he good? He is good. He's way better than I've ever been in magic. I'm so impressed when people can pull off a good card trick. After this, we'll go down. We'll go downstairs to him, and I'll have him pull off some magic tricks. For Sleight you. of hand stuff or clever? I'm talking like real, real clever, like, like real magic, dark arts. Like when you walk away, you don't know how they did it, and you also don't know where to start to like even comprehend how they did it. I love it. I'm so into it. So after this, we'll have to go. We'll have to go talk to him. I'll have him show off. Show off one of his tricks to you. But Matt, I personally. And many people enjoy collecting these cards because they're just very beautiful pieces. Um, I have up here on my bulletin board, I actually have a, a King of Diamonds that I found on the floor somewhere. And I don't know. I felt like I had I had to keep it. It's a card that I, cu I couldn't throw away. Because I feel like you can't just throw out a deck of cards. No. Are there vintage card decks that are worth money out there? There Except are. that they were hand-painted back in the day. As I said, the French, Latins, and Germans, they they had hand-painted, hand-printed cards. And after a while, they actually, once games like poker and more secretive games were being played with cards, they actually decided to do black backs on the cards. They used to actually advertise what was on the other side. So, like, if this is a four of spades, they would say on the back kind of a little artistic representation of the four of spades. Ooh, interesting. You're not, not, but you can't do that in card playing. No, if I'm trying to play blackjack Someone's or gonna poker know it yet. and I don't want you to know that I have a full house that I'm trying to bluff, then... That would, know, that's a dead giveaway if it says on the back. Yeah, if it says I have, have all the cards I need on the back, then what's the point? Are those cards specific to magic that you're holding? Do they have some sort of, like, number code on the back that you can figure it out matt if they did i would never reveal the truth <laughs> <laughs> i was looking for that i was looking for like the dots count how many dots are on the back because they're beautifully made even on the um the ace of spades it says like handmade art or not handmade but like um designed art in the usa or whatever because it is art yeah i would love to design a deck of magic card not magic cards a deck of cards even maybe, just, maybe they will be magic cards. even just a card back i think they're just really beautiful Do a two top inspired one that could be cool merch cool merch a deck of cards maybe we'll look into it i've actually well maybe new merch is coming on the way to commemorate the recent 100th episode that we had but you will have to keep you posted folks um but for now i hope you learned a little thing about cards cultural it's it's across all cultures they do different designs the acorns but you know for the us, acorns the shields clubs the swords yeah i mean it's a perfect system i need to learn how to play more card games so i can enjoy that that's like very wholesome thing i think there should be a revival of card games because technology has taken over the i mean put some money on the table get kids into winning prizes you know maybe not gambling but it's the, just the fact that a simple deck of 52 cards has about a hundred games you can play say more it's, and, it's amazing and that's really what makes it so fantastic and that's why i i love cards i have two decks here i have a um this bicycle these are classics right here actually i don't have my classic deck of bicycles those are like a weathered version of bicycle cards oh it's supposed then, to look weathered yeah and then this is a deck of monarchs and i believe i forget what company makes them oh yeah look at this 
Oh, Theory 11. Theory 11 has look beautiful Look at these, Thomas. They're supposed to look like they're all kind of moldy and yeah, thin a little, paper. Yeah, very cool. decrepit. But that's awesome. That's what I got on these lovely, lovely playing cards. The but, back design on these are, is beautiful. It's like a cherub riding a bicycle. Yeah. With a storm in the background. That And that's the classic bicycle back. Yeah. But that's what I got for the magical wonderful playing cards matt that should be a school project design a card back i've never seen that before i think it's a great learning process because you don't have to invent anything i think that's important you're given a simple on one side of a card it has to have a number two and a diamond and from there symmetrical though yeah that's important it's like it has to be a symmetrical card it's actually it's a weird type of symmetry too it's not, it's not vertically symmetrical. Stay it's symmetrical yeah, on diagonal a diagonal. Cross. So that's that's unique. Who knows? Maybe maybe if I'm feeling adventurous this summer, I'll create a uh, a card deck. I think that'd be a fun fun graphic design project to do. Hundred percent. But Matt, what do you have for this two top discussion of today? Two top, no, not cards, not cards. A little different. GPS. Remember, you're talking about it yeah, before. We, you taught us a lot. What's what's what are some of the key points of GPS that we need to use to have it function? It uses satellites to triangulate your position based on like different timings of signals. And do you remember what's a direct result of having the three triangulated satellites? What our phones use to determine something? The Pythagorean theorem. Not. But that helps us determine something, a unit, a measurement of... Distance? No. Elevation? Time? Time. Time Time. is important. Time is very important for GPS. GPS gives us the correct time, right? Oh, right. Our phones kind of run off it. Yeah, we talked about how GPS has the world's most accurate clocks because they're sitting in Earth's orbit. So... Coming up is something very exciting, the 24th. Today's the 22nd, so we have two days until a rocket launch is about to go off. NASA, down in Cape Canaveral, Florida, they're going to shoot off a rocket containing a miniature nuclear clock, atomic clock, a little one, a little guy, a little boy, going up into space. And you know why they're trying to engineer this miniature clock? It's so that each spaceship can have their own dedicated atomic clock on board so it can do self-navigation. Oh, instead of relaying to Earth and then having to deal with the signal discrepancy. Yeah, because between here and Saturn, there's like a seven minute break for the signal to go back from the spaceship to Earth back to the spaceship. But if they have their own atomic clock that is perfectly sunk with Earth's atomic clocks or the ones in our orbit, you know, that stay perfectly uniform, we can have self-guided travel through space. And this is like a huge breakthrough for self-guided space travel because that's where we're headed essentially nasa wants to have these singular not autonomous but self-reliant spacecraft to travel into you know deep space into different planets so essentially they want to make society closer to taking it's essentially like taking the bus to work eventually it's going to be taking your bus to your other galaxy you know you need an atomic clock so these clocks are roughly I'd say roughly the size of your computer monitor right there and and about as deep as the computer monitor is wide, so like a box like that. So it's not super miniature. Obviously, an atomic clock has some some heavy components in there. So it's like two feet by two feet by 
a foot or 18 inches. Just about, yeah. So, you know, you have your technology in there, and it can go up into space in these smaller spacecraft. So this coming, um, what would it be, Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, you're going to have a spaceship going up with a small unit. So every single spacecraft exploring deep space today relies on navigation that's performed back here at Earth. And like I said, there's a delay. By measuring a signal's round-trip time within a billionth of a second, ground-based atomic clocks in the deep space network help pinpoint the spacecraft's location. So it takes time. And when you're at space traveling certain speeds, eventually, hopefully, we'll be traveling at light speed. A billionth of a second is a huge difference, Thomas. Yeah, I didn't even factor that in. That probably has a huge effect. So with the new deep space atomic clock, we can transition into something what we call one-way tracking. A spaceship, we could use uh, such an atomic clock on board to measure that time it takes for a tracking signal to arrive from Earth without having to send that signal back for measurement with a ground-based atomic clocks. So spacecraft can tr judge their own trajectory. So I was just watching a sci-fi movie. Have you seen Valerian? Yes. 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 The spaceship is named Alex, and it does its own thing. That wouldn't be a thing if it didn't have its own atomic clock, you know? Right. All these little things. It you know, it's funny. Be... I never really thought of that. But that is completely true. That's something that's been holding us back from doing this self-guided travel. Every spaceship in history has relied on relaying back to Earth to carry on its mission. We don't have any self-reliant spaceships. So say, like, you wanted to go full-on sci-fi with me and we wanted to hop in our Millennium Falcon and go out into space. Our technology right now is not capable of letting the Millennium Falcon do its own thing like Han and Chewie do, you know? We have, we'd have to talk back to our Death Star Earth, you know? Right. There's more navigation involved. Interesting. So this new atomic clock keeps time using charged mercury atoms or ions, whereas clocks currently aboard Earth's GPS satellites use neutral rubidium atoms. So since the mercury atoms in the new clock have electric charge, they can be trapped in electric fields that prevent them from interacting with the walls of their container. Less friction. Interactions um, that in GPS atomic clocks cause the rubidium atoms to fall out of rhythm. Um, Earth's GPS satellite clocks require twice daily corrections from a command center on Earth based on atomic clocks. So even though our GPS satellites are pretty darn accurate, Thomas, we still need our main clock adjusted twice a day. It's pretty wild, right? I feel like that falls in line with, you know how there's the the super kilogram or the original kilogram and like we base everything off that measurement. The standards, yeah. Yeah, it's the standards. I feel like there's an atomic clock that is the time standard and we need to reference that as much as possible in order to be as accurate as possible. So the goal eventually is to have this accuracy. So the new atomic clock is far more reliable in uniform ticking. So corrections wouldn't be needed on the daily. Maybe it was weekly or hopefully monthly. That's where science is headed to make things more precise. And when we're traveling at light speed, that's going to matter a lot. You know, hopefully they can get it down to a perfect, I mean, I don't know if perfection is an actual force in nature that can be achieved, but it needs to be darn close to perfect. Otherwise, at the other side of that light speed hyperloop jump that you just took, you could end up 40 years in the future. You because know? you went to the wrong destination. Because it's there's like, a split second difference. Well, in a sense, think of if you were to walk a straight line here on Earth for 10 feet and you were you started an inch off, like one degree off. In the beginning, you wouldn't notice, but when you're 10 feet out there, you've probably gone over two inches. Absolutely. Now, imagine traveling millions of miles in space, and you've made, you were told to make a slight alteration burn at this exact second, 
and your clock wasn't accurate, you could end up missing by hundreds of miles. Millions of miles. Space is huge. We don't know how big it truly is. It's wild just to think about that slight difference. So people get hopeful that we can travel to different universes, but this will not be a thing until we perfect our time recognition and calculation. So scientists are hoping that we can be as close to a couple nanoseconds off, three-tenths of a nanosecond per day. That is the goal. That's where they're headed right now. But that's still not perfect. No, it's still not, not perfection. There's still need a need for adjustment, which is wild. So we're not going to be in Star Wars anytime soon, but the steps toward it are coming. So anyway, if this comes out before the 24th, go check out the launch. Check out if there's a live stream. I bet there will be. I guarantee there will be, actually. I looked into it. Which day's the launch? The 24th. So that's um, today is the 22nd. Monday. It's Monday. Yeah. Let's watch a launch on Monday. S- sounds great. This is 100% coming out after June 22nd. I bet weather might delay it, though. So we have a good chance. We have it good always chance. It always happens. All right. Well, that's what we have for this week's episode of Two Top. You know, grab some cards, play some play some poker <laughs> while you're traveling through the the hyperspace. I wonder if astronauts have a deck of cards in space. They must. I they, guarantee they do. They have to. It's a classic killing time game. But that's what we have for this week's episode of Two Top, and we'll see you guys next time for another Two Topics. See ya. This was Two Top an independently created and run podcast created by Thomas Lance and Matt Berg. Music this episode comes from Lee Rosevere. For more info about this week's episode, visit us at twotoppodcast.com. For general inquiries and feedback, send us an email at twotoppodcast at gmail.com. See you next week for another Two Topics.